I'm Carrie Adams and you're listening to Carrie's Corner. Here we talk to the movers and shakers, the drinkers, the dreamers, the people who make it happen in the liquor industry around the world. So, let's get sipping. Every now and again, something comes along that's not particularly wine related but has a little bit of a wine twist for me that I just simply can't resist. And today I'm chatting to something that I just simply couldn't resist. And it's not something, it's somebody. It's Adrian Short from By Word of Mouth. Adrian, thank you and welcome to Biz News, Carrie's Corner. Thank you, Carrie. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to have you and it's a long, long, long time that I've known you for. I was trying to think about it the other day. 2002. But it is a long time that we've worked together for. And you've got such an interesting story to tell and such a success story to tell. I think that we're all sick and tired of doom and gloom. I certainly am. So we've got a few topics to cover today, and we'll start with the happy bits, because there's quite a lot of sad bits too, but we'll start with the happy bits, we'll do a little dip in the middle, and we'll end on a high note. How about that? Guys, Adrian Short is Mr. By Word of Mouth, and I say that with a certain amount of reticence, because there is actually a Mrs. By Word of Mouth that we simply cannot forget to mention, because she she was the start of By Word of Mouth, and that's Adrian's wife. Tell us a little bit of the beginning of the journey of By Word of Mouth. How did, how did she start? So Kari started uh, when she came back from London in 1993. She had really been going, I think she started her business in 1993, but she had always had a obsessive interest in food um, and all things food related and she came back from London after having worked at a catering company in London and if you remember that time in 93 the sort of South African market was starting to open up, Mm. 94 was uh, the elections and people tend to forget what it was like in those days but our normal canapé was a samosa with an egg <laughs> sandwich and maybe a sausage roll. And Kari came back with all these wonderful ideas and sun-dried tomatoes um, and, and pushed the palate quite a lot in those early days. And no, she did. She revolutionized home catering. Definitely. That is how I remember Corin Short. She revolutionized home catering. No question. And so all the food that was actually presented at those parties in those days was completely, completely different. South Africans hadn't seen it, and uh, she got involved particularly in the IT section of catering for IBM, Dimension Data, and the like. Uh, Some of the banks, the JSC companies, when they were still in Johannesburg Central. Mm, mm. And and so she got, uh, as a one-man band, started to... A cause, uh, like you say, a revolution. She, she did. did. Unbelievable. She's Mrs. Food Revolutionary, and we love her and we're proud of her because in amongst all of that, one of the things I love about your wife is that she has remained completely and utterly feminine. She doesn't burn her bra or her panties. She's never complained about not being treated fairly. She simply gets on and does it. How did you meet Karen? So I was invited to Jeremy Ord's 40th, and... Um, Kari uh, was doing the catering. I didn't know at the time. And um, I had invited. Because you were working at Dimension Data, weren't you? I was, yeah. And I had um, stolen the barcode projector and put it in my very um, sort of Spartan house because I had a whole lot of people coming the next day for the uh, British Alliance rugby tour to come and watch the rugby game. And 
I then saw that there was an urn and I was going to serve some glühwein. <laughs> so I walked into the kitchen and asked Only her. Only a bachelor would even think that you could put glühwein into an urn. God, <laughs> And I bumped into her and she was beavering away there. And I said, listen, would you mind, you know, could I borrow the urn? And would you, would you like <laughs> coming along with it? You know? and, uh, and so she, she came and, and actually that was the start of... Our relationship. So you fell in love over an urn. That's so <laughs> romantic, Adrian. Uh, anyway, so you were working at Dimension Data, and she was beavering away being Mrs. Bring Your Canapé to the Party, and by word of mouth started to grow. And it really was, it's such a fab name. Anybody who's ever not seen a truck that's got a big strawberry on the back, sort of tilting on its little end, and a by word of mouth sign, you see them all over the place. It's just become part of the sort of landscape of catering in South Africa. And she didn't do that all by herself. I'm gonna I'm going to allow her the the largesse of being Mrs. Revolutionize the catering industry. But I think a lot of her success came when you decided to leave Dimension Data and join her. Well yeah, I left um I I remember reading um Business Day article, not a Business Day, sorry, it was a Harvard Business Review, and it said you needed to leave the cocoon to become a butterfly. Mm. And I had spent, I think, close to 10 years at Dimension Date, and I was quite ready to to move on. And so Kari had, um, at that time we were living together, and she had the kitchen in her garage in Parkview. And I left and um, started to help her wherever she did not like to do it. Kari's very creative. Mm. So anything that's not creative is She's something not interested not keen on it at all. And we like girls like that. So she, she, she picks her fights, yeah. yeah. So I kind of just helped her in all those areas, HR, accounting, uh, finance, or anything that I could just add value to her while I continued to look for another um, job, to be honest. <laughs> and I got then uh, more and more involved uh, to a point where – Actually, in 2003, I joined uh, full-time. Have you ever decided that you'd like to be a chef? Do you cook? You never trust a thin chef. <laughs> I can't cook, Kerry. And, uh, I can't cook. And uh, I believe you don't ship coal to Newcastle, so I've never even tried to. Um, I, it doesn't excite me. I'm not, I love food. I do like to taste all different types of food. I'm quite adventurous. But I'm not, I'm not somebody who actually is obsessed by food or... No. or, or or wants to cook or finds it therapeutic. Your background is, is number crunching, isn't it? Or you're a CA? No, very checkered academic career. Mm, Should we not delve in there? <laughs> well, I, I only did, um, I went to UCT and took a business science in my first year and the dean told me to give it back. <laughs> I got kicked off completely. Um, and then I did um, just a legal BA, basically. And um, after that, I then went overseas. So that's all I've got. Well, certainly stood you in good stead. So when did you get married? When did you, well, first of all, let's backtrack, sorry. When did you join by word of mouth? So in 2003, I'd left Dardate in 2002, joined Corrie on her 10th anniversary in 2000, January 2003. And she was still operating her business out of her garage? No, by that time uh, we had um, moved her business to the next door to the police station in Parkview, and that mm. was a bespoke um, well, we learned a couple of lessons there in terms of zoning and uh, what you were allowed to do. <laughs> Especially next door to the police <laughs> Sorry, station. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. And so we, we 
had by then moved out, and there must have been a complement of about 15 people from mm. scullery to chefs to... Uh, um, and when did you get married? 98. So I'd go, we'd already married by this stage. Yes. I uh, got married December 98. I'd was continued to work at Dimension Data and then only joined in 2003. And then there was also Andrew Wilson. We were speaking about him earlier. I remember sort of working with you and and Karen and Andrew all those years with Norman Goodfellows. And it always looked to me like you were having so much fun, much more fun than I thought I was having at work. Were you having fun? We lo- I love I mean, I love Andrew, and I think he's um, just such a great guy. And um, we had actually enjoyed each other at Dimension Data. We worked together there. He had left, and mm, he came to help with some forensic issues um, that we were experiencing. And... Andrew and I, we've always got on really, really well. He is such You're a solid really guy. You're both really funny as well. We have a lot of laughs. So eh? the and sense of humour was great, yeah. yeah. And yeah. he's also got a, he, you know, I mean, all the fiscal disciplines were put in place by Andrew, so he's yes. he was remarkable. Yeah. Well, it's very interesting to me that an empire can be built out of catering because I came from that sort of space, which I think we all did, where the only caterers in the country really were like, Delmont. Do you remember Delmont caterers? They used to do all the catering at the Rand Easter show. I do indeed, and Hans Knuttel for Hans Knuttel. Yeah. He was the man of Sol Bon Femme and Duchess yes, potatoes. Of bon cuisine. Don't let us ever have a Sol Bon Femme in our life again. But I mean, Hans was amazing. amazing. He was the only fine dining caterer, really, Lovely in, guy, in yeah. the country. Then there was Delmont Caldo, and, yeah. and they were customers. The Caldos are customers that Norman Goodfellows have been for years as well, and just also gorgeous people. But the catering was dreadful, to be perfectly honest. If you can remember, we used to get ghastly hot dogs and hamburgers and things at the Brandy's show. That was about that. So how did you get people in South Africa to start looking at the possibility of paying for somebody to come and cater your function for you in your home? I think people have always had caterers, even if it just was a wedding. Um, mm. You know, you booked in those days, you booked your priest, your caterer, and your venue. Um, nowadays, and those were months in advance, and nowadays they're doing it days in advance. Mm. So you always had catering. You always had corporate catering, but quite low-key. It was a bit pedestrian. I mean, you think of like FedEx yeah. putting millions of meals into hospitals and that sort of thing. It was certainly nowhere near what Karen does. No, no, this is completely different. So, and don't forget the backdrop to those days was a very hedonistic and economic climate that was on the boom. And mm. so IT was, you know, 2002, I think, the internet was opening up in Johannesburg. It could be wrong, but, but around that time. 2002 it opened up, and in 2021 I've had a breakdown in my internet connection at home for three days. And my service provider can't fix it. I mean, we're back to the sort of days of 1986 with telecom, for goodness sake. Dial up, yeah. So that it was against a backdrop, an economic backdrop that was certainly on, on a, in a growth trajectory. And so people were celebrating. People were out. Mm. People were trying to outdo other people. Um, IT was, you know, really doing really, really well. So there was definitely celebrations, year-end parties. On a roll. On a roll. And mm. it was it was on a solid trajectory up. I mean, there were year-end parties of 2,000-plus. I mean, those are gone I remember well. catering oh. for them. Yeah. I remember you or Corin or one of the people, I mean, got to the point where I think you were employing a lot of people, a lot of party planners and what have you. They would phone us at Norman Goodfellows and say, 
we've got a party for 1,500 people in two weeks' time. Can you get the booze ready? And it was just bizarre that, to think that that was even going on. I mean, it's so far from that now, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think, um, you know, if you fast forward, we were pre-COVID starting to rationalize quite significantly because the economy was turning. Were you? Yeah, yeah. We had, and so COVID just accelerated what we were already doing from an economic point of view, those, mm. those 2,000 parties had gone, they're never going to be seen again. Mm. And, and people were uh, retrenching staff slowly, and the economy was, is taking... Winding down. Winding yeah. down. And yeah. so when COVID hit, we, we just fast-forwarded and, and really had done all our voluntary retrenchments before had we you? went into lockdown. Because I was having a look, and I, I remember that you started Frozen for You in 2018, Yes. Um, which was obviously pre-COVID, but you'd obviously, as you said earlier, you were thinking about scaling down a little bit because you were noticing a shrink in the size of party and or offering that you had to have. Frozen for you is an unbelievable innovation. I live off it. And okay. anybody who doesn't live off it Thank should find so out much. about it. <laughs> Tell the listeners about Frozen for You. Frozen for You is um, a home meal replacement where – the trend nowadays is that people don't want to or don't know how to cook, and they are keen and live in very hectic lives. And so if you're doing water polo with your kids at school and then have to get back to do homework and cook a meal, it, you really do need some great food that you can actually cook quite quickly. Now, this is not new and fast food is not new, but home meal replacement in terms of a home meal that's wholesome, like your mother or your granny would cook, uh, is what we then targeted. Mm. We don't have coloring agents, stabilizing agents, or uh, any of those uh, horrible things. <laughs> yeah. It's a MSG. And, and you've got to wonder how long you know um, some of these uh, frozen products that, or or not fresh products stay at ambient temperature for a shelf life of two weeks, mm. and we've used frozen as the new fresh, where cryogenically you can actually freeze something and then reconstitute it, and people can put it straight into the oven or defrost it and actually cook it, and it's done quickly, but it's a wholesome, delicious, and reasonably priced meal. They are reasonably priced, so I have one that is just down. Peter Place, which is close to where I live. Yes. I don't know how many you've got in, in the country. We're now on 11. Wow. Well, oh. my one, for anybody who's looking for one, I think there's one in Danefern as well. There is. Yeah. But there's one in Peter Place in Santon, Bryanston. And I'm absolutely honest when I say that you can swing in there and you can buy a meal. I live alone, so I can buy a meal that's basically for two people. Mm. And I can eat it for Monday and Tuesday. It's incredibly well-priced. It is so delicious. It does taste like grand baked it. It does taste like you're coming home to granny or mum's cooking. And it's beautifully presented. The shops are clean. You can eat off the floor in my shop, in, you know, my little one that I go to in Peter Place. And I cannot stress enough how much better that is for anybody than swinging by a takeout joint on the way home. Mm. And we don't want to be taken to court by anybody, so I'm not going to mention any names. But I do think that if I was a young mum now trying to juggle job, house, kids, husband, family, friends, whatever, 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 Frozen for You would be an absolute no-brainer for me. I think there's also, you, you're right, um, Carrie, but I think also there's, even in the houses where the kids have actually left or 
uh, parents are living alone, we've found that portion control, you don't have half a cabbage sitting in the fridge or yeah. half a tomato that you haven't used. Or, exactly. So the, the actual cost, you're only, you're only paying for what you eat, mm. which is great. And also having a single meal that you otherwise would never normally cook because it's too much of a schlep. Uh, mm. So you can get, I don't know, let's say it's an oxtail for two. Mm. Um, whereas before you'd never cook an oxtail for two or one. No, you wouldn't. You'd cook for six or eight people and put some in your freezer and forget it there, never eat it again, give it to the dogs. What are, you know the story. Exactly. Yeah. Where did the idea for Frozen for You come from? Because when I lived in the UK, there was a shop that was quite similar. That's exactly right, Carrie. So we've this was something that we saw in the UK some time ago. And actually, if the truth be known, um, often people say you've got to takes 20 years to be an overnight success. But <laughs> in 2012, I think, we started with Simply. We bought a whole lot of wine from you. Mm, um, you sim- did. Simply Red with Mick Hucknall having a problem with it. <laughs> but there was, did he have a problem no, no, with no, it? You, you told me about it. it a lot. So there, and we started, we tried to start dabbling in it and then lost focus and got back into it. And then we, only with, I suppose, uh, selling a minority share to famous brands, did that give us the confidence to give it a go. Mm. And so that was in 2016, 2017. And we then had a look at um, uh, what overseas were offering and how and what markets they were um, uh, advertising to. And uh, both in the UK and Europe, there were many players. And so we copied and we tried to take out the best that would actually suit the South African market. Mm. And I think always all along what we've always done is to try and put the foundations right and do things that were done properly from the beginning. So if you walk into any of our stores, you'll find some delightful ladies who are knowledgeable, who are able to… Well, the delightful lady in the Peter Place store is an old mate of mine. Her son and my son went to St. Peter's Pep together. There we go. So Bev runs that store. I see her there often. Adrian, everything you do does actually come out right, and it does sound a little bit sort of… Peter Panish and a bit sort of comic bookish and what have you, but but the shorts do actually get it right in the long term. The other thing that I wanted to ask you is when you sold half of your business to famous brands, that was one thing. Do they own half of Frozen for you as well? They did. We um, bought that back last year in October. Good move. Um, they're great, and uh, we had a very happy journey with them over four or five years. And I thought it was at this time there was a great deal of uncertainty and I think to paddle our own boat made a bit more sense. So you've left, the, they still have 50% or no, so of no. by word of mouth? No, we're 100% owned now. Oh, both. so you bought the whole lot back? Yeah. So, okay. So we're 100% family-owned business now. That was something unpublicized. I never saw that happening. Okay. Do you sneak under the radar with that one, under the strawberry? No, we um, no. I think it was out there a little bit, but we're like a small little family-owned business, so hardly going to get much attention. <laughs> yes. And so where to from here? You've got how many lovely boys? Two, three, four? There's lots of shorts. So I've got four boys. Four um, boys. So they range from 20, 21, 20, 19, and 16. Oh. Yeah. And any of them interested in coming into the family business? No, not yet. Um, Carrie, two are still at school, two at university, so I, I think it's still early. I, I mean, I, I, are we having fun and, and doing what we're doing? Listen, catering has been decimated with COVID. I would imagine. I mean, I just, for everybody's edification, I actually got in touch with Adrian earlier 
today or yesterday, I can't remember, to say one of my customers was looking for a caterer for a party, a home party, and are by word of mouth still doing home catering? And your answer was absolutely not. So you've obviously had to streamline that part of the business hugely. No, that's not true. We are doing catering, um, uh, but we're very selective in the catering that Mm. we do. Um, We've put catering into hibernation, and we've kept quite a lot of the intellectual capital and maintained that. But unfortunately, we had to close a lot of the businesses from hiring division, the staffing division, the catering division. I mean, it was huge at one stage. It was the bell of the ball catering company. We could we could hire those golden chairs and chandeliers and fabulous glassware and all kinds of stuff from by we word doing, of mouth. We were doing 18 functions a day, Carrie. At I remember. Day. 18 functions a day we were we were doing. And we had staff in excess of probably 400 people. Wow. We had a large hiring division that could seat for a plate at dinner up to 3,000 sets of knives, forks, plates, cutlery, crockery. Yeah. Halcyon days, as you say. Yeah, so they were, they were good days. So we actually, um, pre-COVID, rationalized that whole division because we could see it coming. All the weddings were getting canceled. There were big events that were actually being postponed. And um, so we, we learned from Dimension Data and also the 2008 that you cut deep, you cut fast, and you cut quickly. Mm. Um, so we then um, unfortunately um, went through a section – one eight nine, yes. I think, or one nine seven. I yeah, no, they're awful. Them, you don't want both. to remember. Um, and so we've actually gone into hibernation, and I, and that's served us well because it was a short term loss, but hopefully a long term gain. And I think uh, we've kept uh, a very core, small core, and competent people that are not used to doing the heavy lifting. So if you're doing a small function, it's going to be more expensive. Mm. But in the hope that uh, from September onwards that this will start to turn and people will start to live with COVID as opposed to run away from COVID. Well, I think that yours has been a very inventive, happy and successful response to COVID. I am so sick and tired of COVID. I think we all are sick to death and tired of COVID. I think the handling of it has been completely and utterly unacceptable in South Africa. I think all of us feel exactly the same. There's nothing to redeem the government's way it's handled this pandemic at all. Certainly in my industry, locking down businesses for five and six months of a year is absolutely, completely, it's suicide. You literally cannot do that to, and that's just my industry and your industry. You know, it's spread right across the entire landscape of South Africa. Everybody is in exactly the same boat with no help and no hope of getting out of it. So by word of mouth was clever. You were proactive. You already saw the writing on the wall in 2018 with the economy. You started to streamline your business, and you've actually found yourself in a space where you could buy your little business back from. It's not such a little business, guys, but you could buy it back from famous brands and keep running. What kind of advice do you give to anybody who's young and entrepreneurial out there at the moment who might want to get involved in catering? I think generally I'm a a worry, and I have young boys. Uh, Mm. My biggest worry is that I don't really think any of them or most of their friends really understand the currency of hard work. Mm. So my biggest worry is that people don't realize how hard it is. Swipe left and you can be at the top of the mountain. You know, it's not that. Uh, And I think you've got to, and I encourage my boys to to get vacation jobs and, and to actually know 
how hard it is to earn a hundred bucks. And I, and and catering is is extraordinarily difficult. I mean, it is you you're working when everyone else is playing. You're packing trucks at two, three in the morning when you are absolutely exhausted. Your feet it's head are and hand work. It's, it's hard. It's, it's, it's the same hard, as yeah. my liquor trade thing. But my that we did. my advice, Gary, to finish it just is to say that I think if you're prepared to work hard, um, that's the main thing, and just be able to. Uh, stick it out because I think um, you don't want to capitulate too early. I think you've got to give yourself a chance and um, understand that it's it's hard work and, and you've got to actually You know, it's so it funny. Go. I mean, there's so much bandied around at this stage of the game. The, the world we live in where everybody takes offense to everything and everybody's completely and utterly offended and up, abhorred by everything. My mother always used to tell us, and we're talking about privilege, she always used to say to us, it's a very, very funny thing, but the harder you work, the more privileged you seem to become. Mm. <laughs> it's just I, that, I, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think it's true, yeah, mm. absolutely. Mm. So where to from here? Frozen for you for the rest of the year and hopefully open up a little bit in September. Why September? Uh, I think by then um, my own take on it is that we would have gone through our winter and summer starts to approach. I think um, – we the vaccine rollout would have um, maybe started. <laughs> In um, your dreams, I don't think. I think that we should line up outside the frozen for you shops, and we could. There's, there's probably expired Smirnoff spin or something that yeah. we could use as a vaccine inside because that's about as close as we're going to get to anything. I think. Yeah, maybe. I just think that I just hope, Carrie, and I, you know that COVID is, and the lockdown has decimated the hospitality industry of which mm. we're both part of, and so I'd share your your concerns and and your and your views. I just think that September, I think people would have now kind of realized that, you know, we've got to get on with our lives and we must actually now, we now need to learn to live with it. Um, mm. And so I hope. And so we are going to be hibernating on the catering side and then on the Frozen for You side, we've opened four stores during lockdown. We're going to open, amazing. continue to open. Are you in, in Durban, the- Cape Town or Justin's Gauteng? I've always worried about uh, Natal. Coming from Natal myself, <laughs> where Robbie Williams doesn't sell out his international tour, you go in with your eyes wide open, you know. And so, yeah, you so have to be we, careful. But we are going to open in Durban, and we're going to open in either July or October, depending. Yeah. Well, that's this year sometime. That's exciting. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So we've got uh, lots of fun. Logistics are going to be interesting. Then you've got to get all the frozen food from Johannesburg down to Derbs, or you're going to have little factories that people can go and start up. Franchise it. Well, that was one of the reasons there wasn't a synergy with famous brands, is that we will never franchise it. Mm. Because I think, the, well, I know, they, we want to pass whatever margin we can actually pass on to the end client. And to actually have a franchisee, we decided, in fact, we don't make enough gross profit to actually – uh, to afford a franchisee, supposedly, in the first place. and that we I believe would you, but then, thousands wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> and that we would pass it directly onto the customer and then therefore had all company-owned stores. And so we will continue to do that. Um, okay. It'll take us longer, but I think it'll be better in the end. And no no sign of wanting to slow down or retire or go and lie on the beach in Marbella or anything like that? No, maybe one day. But we're having, you know, Corey and I, all the boys are out so yes. of, of the house, so we... We kind of uh, second honeymooning. Yeah, oh, it's been fun. <laughs> no more boys. No more boys. He's no more children, Adrian. <laughs> no more children. <laughs> We're trying to teach responsible home family planning. <laughs> <laughs> it's always such a pleasure to chat to you. Three cheers to by word of mouth. It is a legend. It's going to be forty years old, I think, next year. 
Letty. No, when was it? 2003. So in two years, yeah. So I thought, it, in 1992, I so thought it was 1982. 19, no, 1993. So 2003. 93, I thought it was 83. Yeah. I joined in 2003, and so 2023 will be our 30th year. Yes, 2023 or 30th yeah. year. It's a big milestone for yeah. any catering company. So yeah. Any company, full stop. Never mind catering. We can survive, I think. That's where we are. You've moment. done a whole lot more than survive. You've really, really elevated catering and, and given us all an amazing space to look back on. I don't think that there was a 21st birthday party or a wedding anniversary or a wedding or an engagement or an anything that any of us had that wasn't catered for by, by word of mouth at some stage. So thank you to you and Karen for just being such mentors thank in the you, catering Karen. in the catering department and in the on the sort of Joburg landscape. You've done so much for all of it. I hope that you go from one big strength to the next. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you so much. Cheers.